0: Corpses are boring. They're corporal bodies that are closed books, no longer capable of surprise. And that makes them exactly the opposite of mythology. Mythology is a story that's alive, that's changing, that has great value, but that does not have a body. The word mythology comes from mythos, which is an experiential sensory kind of component and logos, which is a calculated, thoughtful, intellectual kind of a component. So mythology was meant to imbue someone with helpful, logical guidance in a way that appealed to all of their senses and allowed them to incorporate it. Originally, mythologies were stories that illuminated truths, that helped us to see how the world actually works and allowed us to view ourselves in a good context, in the context of the universe, so that we could move forward in our best way. But we love to subvert things. So after a while, we began to use the concept of mythology, the ways of mythology, in order to actually propagate lies rather than illuminate truths so that we could get people to do what we want. Mythology became a tool of manipulation. In addition to the types of mythologies, we have different layers of mythology. So each of us carries around our personal mythology, what our lives are about, what our origins are, what our life means. Then we have communal mythologies, what we do at work, what we do in the city, what we do in this country, how we operate as a globe. And so we have lots of different layers of mythology that create our belief of how we are and who we are in this world. Mythologies always begin as stories, but just as there are different types of mythologies, there are also different types of stories. For some people, a story can be a thing that happened. If a story consists of I did this and then this and I went there and that happened, and it has no kind of greater meaning to it, and it has no kind of emotional attachment to it, that is not a myth, that is just a story. However, if we tell the same story again and again and again and again and again, we will begin to imbue it with feeling and with meaning, and it will become a myth. So the same story, even if it doesn't mean anything, repeated again and again and again becomes a myth. We can make our own myths. Making myths is a superpower. So the way that the human mind works is unlike other minds we know of, in that we're always remembering the past and envisioning the future while living in the present. Which means that we're always sort of in three locations at the same time. And this is reflected in everything we do. If you go to a lecture, it's going to have an introduction, a body, and a conclusion. If you go to a play, it's going to have a first act in the normal world, a second act in the mythological world, and a third act back in the normal world. Not only do we always imbue this three-part structure on everything, but our introduction and our conclusion always contain the same content. If you're putting together a lecture, you're told to always say what you're going to say. Say it and then say what you said. Notice that what you're going to say and what you said were probably the same thing. So when we change our understanding of what already happened, the first act, we change our expectations of what's going to happen, the third act, and we change what we actually do, our choices in this, the middle act, the present. When we change our understanding of the past, we change our future. When we get a new piece of information, we try to fit it into our already existing three-part structure. For example, someone might come up to me and say, A stitch in time saves nine. And if I happen to sew and I've already ripped things out, I will totally get that because it fits into my past experience of sewing and my future expectation of my sewing coming undone. Totally done. However... If I have nothing to do with sewing, and I've never had something rip through, that is going to mean absolutely nothing to me. Even if I totally love, totally trust the person, the best I can do is file that away for future use. However, if they were to actually tell me the story, once upon a time, there was a little boy, and he had a tiny hole in his pocket. And it would have only taken one stitch to sew up that hole. But he didn't do it. Instead, he went out, he played on the beach, he had a great summer. But in the autumn, he was wearing that very jacket when a giant bear came to attack the town. And Little Billy went running out because he was going to combat the bear. He went to grab his slingshot out of his pocket, but it was gone. There was a hole. It would have taken at least nine stitches. You get it. We can get whole stories in a way that we cannot get little pieces of wisdom because they come with their own context. They have their own first, second and third acts, their own introductions, bodies and conclusions, and therefore we can just assimilate the whole thing. It doesn't have to fit into what I already know of the world. It has its own world with it. I was a strange child in exactly the same way that I am a strange adult. I used to run around talking to angels and archetypes and all my invisible friends, and I said really weird, off-the-wall things to anyone at any time. My family had no idea how to deal with this, so they didn't. So my family increasingly ignored me. And as they ignored me, I became louder. Until finally, by the time I was a teenager, I was screaming all the time and no one was ever listening. And so at 15, I walked out of the house not to return. I did not speak to most of them for nearly 20 years. I did talk to my brother. I went out into the world and I did my own personal work and I got into college and I studied and I worked hard and I really felt like I was making progress. And after about 20 years, I thought, I have done my personal work. I can so handle my family now. I'm going to go home. So i did what any courageous mature adult would do and i called my brother come with me i'm frightened much to my delight he said that he would so he flew from new york and i flew from seattle and we met in alabama where my grandparents lived it was my grandfather's 100th birthday shortly after we arrived my great uncle lucian phoned and asked if the two of us would like to come over and have tea I totally love Lucian because he's completely subversive. So I said, yes, of course we would go. My brother and I went trekking through the mud over to Lucian's house, and it was this cute little yellow cottage. My great-aunt Ruth opened the door and invited us in, and she escorted us to the parlor. Everything was pastel and floral. We sat down on the chairs. There was Ruth A giant American flag that completely dominated the room. My Uncle Lucian, my brother, and I. Very shortly, a little kitten came pattering into the room. And my great-aunt Ruth did the cat. She went, y'all don't come round here very often. And I thought, oh my God, I am in another world. This should have been a clue. Then we all began to chat. Well, more to the point, they began to chat. Because I had absolutely nothing to say. They began having a conversation, Lucian and Ruth peppering my brother with questions, and him answering them expertly. I had absolutely no way into the conversation. I just sat there for twenty minutes, and I began to feel invisible, just like when I was a kid. I started wondering if I was a figment of my own imagination. But then it occurred to me that I have done my personal work. I am so not going to fall for this. I am not going to go there. I am going to take control. I'm going to pay attention, and I'm going to figure out what is going on here. So pay attention, I did. And I shortly discovered how tremendously tangible my brother is. Wow! He makes frames. They have held them for beautiful art. They have seen it in New York, which not only have they heard of, they could probably locate on a map. I, on the other hand, do something in the West. And for a moment, this delights me. I have figured it out. I have conquered the issue. I now know the problem here is that I am not very physical and my brother very physical. But then I begin to really reflect on that and I begin to wonder if we aren't physical beings who are put on a physical plane to have physical experiences because of that's the point. I begin to wonder about my own things and contemplate How I've done enormous emotional, spiritual, and even intellectual work. But how much I really suck at the physical. And I wonder if I have missed the point. And I consider that perhaps I have wasted my entire life And as I'm spiraling down into the sinkhole, my Uncle Lucian suddenly sits up and says, I have to tell you a story. Hallelujah! He says, I went to Florida last year, and I took my dentures. Dentures! I had them the entire time we were in Florida. I took them everywhere with me. I was wearing them when I got there. I was wearing them at our last meal on the last evening. I went home. I put them in a glass by the bed. I went to sleep. And in the morning, they were gone. We looked everywhere. We combed that hotel room. We went through all our luggage. We went through every pocket in every piece of clothing we had. The dentures were nowhere. After several hours, we had to go to the airport. So we left. I called the hotel. I said, you have to look for my dentures. Find my dentures. They said they would look for the dentures. We came home. As soon as we got home, we went through everything again. Every item of clothing, every pocket in every suitcase, the dentures were nowhere. The hotel called. They did not find the dentures. After a week, I called. I said I needed new dentures, and I sat down in this very chair. I put my hand in this very crack, looking for my remote. And there were my dentures! It's the miracle of the dentures! And then I suddenly understood. And I wanted to tell him that that entire thing had happened to him just so that he could tell me that story in that moment. So that he could illustrate to me that just because something isn't located doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Just because something isn't visible doesn't mean it's not important. And just because they can't see me it doesn't mean that I don't matter. The mythologies that we hold, internally and externally, at every level, affect our every belief and our every choice, and many of them are unconscious. When we learn to recognize our mythologies, we learn to control our worlds. We learn to be in charge of our own lives. When we're finally done eating, our lives are nothing more than stories. Author responsibly.